Hi, I'm Adam Russell. I have the privilege of being the newest director of the AI division at USC's Information Sciences Institute, also known as ISI's AI division. As I grow into this job, I want to get to know more about the humans that I'll be working with who are behind AI at ISI. And I think my suspicion is that other people want to get to know them too, uh, especially those who only see AI in headlines or the people that Time deems to be the top 100 most influential people. Yes, they're important, they're influential, but the other humans are critical. And I think understanding these other humans is important because understanding them will help us better understand where AI and in some real way, all of us may be headed. So I invite you to join me as I talk to and learn more about these humans that are helping to usher us into this new age. These humans who are my colleagues and that I'm proud to call part of the AI division at ISI. My guest today is Joel Matthew, a research engineer at ISI's AI division. Uh, and that sort of makes me his new director. I say sort of because we actually haven't met until today. Uh, and so this is a perfect example, I think, of why I'm doing this podcast, in part because we've never met. And what I know of him is basically what anyone on the internet can know about him. So Joel, give me one moment because I'll let you know what Quad, uh, a large language model, knows about you, having put in everything I could find about you right on, on, on the internet. And it tells me uh, that... <laughs> Uh, you have varied interests and activities outside of your career. Uh, your work experience and academic background in computer science and AI are impressive, according to the large language model. Well done. Uh, but what seems to make you most human is your involvement with the Bible translation organizations, open source initiatives to help support goals and people beyond just technical projects. We'll dive a little bit into that, okay? But I want to make sure that people understand that you know the, the, we don't need another podcast about the technical details or the, the how of AI. I'm really interested in the why. Why are you here? What got you to this space? All right. So with that said, uh, Joel, as we talk, uh, feel free to bring up things that you do technically. I don't want to you know, say that's out of bounds, but really I want to start with uh, a bit of a thought experiment. So you're going back in time and you're talking to six-year-old Joel. You're going to explain to him, your past self, what you're doing today and why you're doing it. How would you go about doing that? Thanks for having me on this podcast. It's a privilege. And I'm excited to talk about some of my own background and some of the stuff that I get to do at ISI. So to your question, yeah, if I had to go back and tell my six-year-old self, not a not a very obedient kid, um, I'll have to sit him down and get him some candy and take some time. But I'll probably tell him that, yeah, I'm mostly working on trying to help computers speak human languages that it doesn't know so far. And so there are quite a few that it does speak, of course, English, and maybe a few big ones out there, like Spanish and French, but it, there are thousands of other languages out there that the computer doesn't know about, mainly because it's never seen it or heard it. And so I'm, trying, I'm excited of trying to find ways to expose computers to be able to speak these languages and make them useful for humans. I can hear your six-year-old self say, you know, we could play basketball, presumably. We could, we could do, you know, we could go into uh, Marvel uh, action hero movies. Why do you care about computers speaking more than just English? Well, why is that important to us? First off, it's because we live in a world that's surrounded by people like us. And to the most of my audience, 
would be exposed to English speakers around them, uh, we don't see that there is a whole big world out there that doesn't speak English as their first language. And so they speak other languages to their kids and their family, and that's their heart language, and that's what matters to them most. That's what reaches their emotions and feelings the most. You, you, you called it a heart language? That's correct. I like that. Okay, that's a good term. And so computers are, are supposed to be helpers of human beings. So they are meant to support and help us. And the way they can do that is by, well, coming alongside and speaking our language and not forcing us to speak their language. Um, and so things like, can I use the controls on it uh, that are in my language? And can the computer speak back to me in my language that like would Siri or Alexa um, speak my language and not just some of the other big ones like English. So that's, that's important to have a connection with the computer. Uh, it's important to have that relationship to be able to understand uh, what computers are doing to, for it to speak our language. Another big reason I think that I should mention why I'm really excited about this is because I'm a Christian and I'm really excited for people to have access to the Bible um, from my own personal faith. For that to happen, the Bible is already translated to among the 7,000 languages that are out there, 700 of them. So about 10%. There are probably another 20% where a part, New Testament or a part of the Bible is available, but the vast majority doesn't have it. And so I'm also excited in finding ways to also improve technology to make the Bible more accessible in all languages. Okay, we're, we're going to chase that a little bit further, if you don't mind. Given that you've already referenced AGI, artificial general intelligence, and there's a lot of hyperbole around that, and frankly, it's a pretty controversial term, understandably. How does your faith then interact with your role in this technology? Does the techn technology itself ever call into question your faith, or how does it inform other things uh, in the AI space? Yeah, uh, this isn't a new question uh, because historically, during any sort of revolution, uh, I think people, I mean, the Christian faith has had to like grapple with this question over and over again, especially, I mean, the concept of the press uh, was one of the things that actually accelerated a lot of the exposure. Now, in that case, they embraced it. They embraced the new technology there and used it to actually disseminate to a wider audience printed material. However, AGI is, of course, a, little, a lot different than that. But still, I think there is, I, I personally see there are opportunities for working together with it and not see it as an outside party um, where we can leverage that for good um, and not be afraid of it. Um, if you weren't in the AI field, then what would you be doing? If I was not in the AI field, um, Generally, what I'm excited about is making the lives of others easier. Now, that sounds super big, uh, but uh, one of the ways I think I enjoy doing that is making tools to help people's daily work go quicker and faster. This is something that I did in the past, which really gave me a lot of clarity of, hey, this is something I want to pursue more. Is uh, So I grew up uh, in India, and I, and I got to see people in the field who were using very rudimentary tools to do drafting of text. And they did not have access just because they didn't know. There are 
existing tools out there that they could use to simplify their life and just typing something down. And so basic editors and easy to use things like that. And some of their use cases were a niche. I ended up making a simple app for them to actually get this done, you know, easier drafting work uh, in an easy to uh, do fashion. And that really changed the quality of life for these people. Mm-hmm. And I saw the, the speed at which they could now do and the excitement in their work, which really gave me a huge boost in my own um, purpose around what I'm trying to do. So I would probably work in a field where probably with computers still, if not AI, but just be building tools to help people's work go, go easier, maybe. Interesting. Okay. So, so following from that, then uh, um, I'm going to give you a chance to go back in time again, but not back to your six-year-old self. I'm going to let you go back 10 years. What advice would you give yourself 10 years ago, knowing what you know now about AI? And you can't say like invest in open AI or NVIDIA, right? That's not fair. Yeah. I would tell myself to learn Python much earlier than I did. <laughs> I can do that for you now, right? AI can do that. You don't need Python. Well, yeah. Well, we still need Python to do the cool stuff in it yet. I mean, so far it is getting there. It's true. And I think the emphasis on coding solutions by hand, some of it is my own environment, but I grew up where there was a lot of emphasis on theory trying to understand conceptually what's happening, which is all important and good and deriving stuff. However, there's nothing like actually getting down to the code and implementing the thing and and seeing it run and grokking it like that. Um, So one thing that comes to mind is back propagation. I mean, that would be something that I would have loved to have done by hand, which I've done more recently. Okay. So... So explain to your six-year-old self <laughs> what you mean by backpropagation. That's that's our rules on this podcast. You can use a term, but you have to explain to your six-year-old self. What are you, what are you talking about, future Joel? So backpropagation is technically, it's really hard. I, I need to build up more terminology here. I, I guess intuitively, just going off the top of my head, you would think about it as, um, suppose you are going through an obstacle course and you're jumping hoops and taking leaps to get to the end and you you had a timer on you and you finished it in 50 seconds. Uh, now the best person, I mean, the, the person who, the best time on this obstacle course has been 30 seconds. What you want to do is beat that. You want to become the best, right? That's what everybody tries to do. And so how would you go about doing that? And one way to do it is you look back on the last time that you did the obstacle course and you try to measure for every of your hoops and leaps that you made, uh, how much time did you lose? Or was there a better way I could have jumped or taken a different step or ended on my different hand or something that would have actually improved that whole time? And doing that iteratively over all of these steps together might actually save you a whole, uh, a whole lot of time to become much better. Um, so optimizing, that's what we would call it. That's... That's a stellar analogy. So uh, if your six-year-old self can carry that forward, uh, you've done them a great service, actually. (laughs) That's a great explanation. Thank you. Let's ask a question then um, a little bit more uh, focused on, you know, where, where you're going to be in 10 years. We keep going back in time. Let's go forward in 10 years. And ask in ten years, what what regulations, if any, around AI would you, would you hope to see in place? 
or not. I mean, there are there are people who feel like regulation will kill innovation and should be should be left off uh, off the table, and there are other people who think, well, in the absence of regulation, we'll be in real trouble. I think there shouldn't be regulation to experiment. Um, that's that's going to really kill things. Mm-hmm. And uh, there isn't an easy answer, of course, to this. It's like some say COVID was born like that. What I feel is there needs to be more than control. Um, there needs to be a better understanding to work uh, and a framework to work with it in the future when it does come. I think the focus shouldn't be clamping down. It should be coming alongside and how are we preparing ourselves for it? Yep. Uh, you may have you may have heard me previously reference AI not as artificial intelligence, but as alien intelligence. And I think there's touching on this, it's it's you seem to be suggesting that we almost have to be ready for these aliens to arrive. And you can't really regulate for that, but what you can do is create conditions and capabilities to to sort of anticipate um what kind of aliens are are going to land, as it were, and how do we work with these aliens in productive ways. Let me let me riff off that then and ask. Uh, is there a particular science fiction movie or book in the AI space uh, that you really like? And then is there one that you think everyone needs to read? So not a lot into fiction, but I, you know, I think I was excited seeing Iron Man, where that is Jarvis. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what I really like about Jarvis is that Jarvis is really trying to be an assistant. And I think that is a very important trait of how I would want an AGI to behave. Uh, I want it to be an assist. I want it to assist. I want it to help. Uh, I don't want it to control. I don't want it to just take over. Okay. Uh, you didn't say Terminator. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, very, very useful. Uh, if you had to write a science fiction story yourself, now I realize you don't read a lot of fiction, uh, but you you had an AI partner, what would that AI's name be in your, uh, in your science fiction book? What would you, what, you can't steal Jarvis. What would you, what would you name your AI? I'd probably name him Hobbes from Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Good reference. Do, do you think AIs will ever be our best friends? Do you think that's going to be something that's, that's feasible and is it a good thing? I think, I think, yes, they're, they're definitely capable of becoming our best friends uh, in the future. And like I said, it, you know, how I'd like to see them as assistants, I can see a best friend assistant who comes alongside with me throughout the day and uh, helps me do some tasks and uh, reminds me of things. So yeah, I can see that happening and I think it's a good thing. Okay, Hobbs, I like it. Uh, I, have a, I have a six-year-old daughter. Uh, she seems to be increasingly interested in AI. One thing she has asked me on occasion, and so I'm unfairly going to ask you as well, is is, is there a good AI joke? <laughs> do you have do you have a good joke about AI? Um, let's see. Why do the programmers act so nice to the AI? Why do the programmers act so nice to the AI? Because it was really self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> it beats my anthropology jokes, which I, I won't torture you with some other time. Um, you you did touch on AI, and we talked about it being potentially a best friend. What promise do you see in AI having empathy? What what, what do you see technically developing that gives you hope that that you can actually have an empathetic AI? 
So mainly because what most of our efforts tend to be make AI, AI systems mimic humans, I think it's just going to get better at, be, better at mimicking empathy or empathizing on emotions to the point where it becomes blurry, where it's like, is it really mimicking or does it actually feel these things now? And I feel that's going to happen more and more where closely mimicking and following human patterns would tend towards blurring the lines between what it actually feels of its for its own self. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's, I was reflecting on this the other day. I have uh, the great fortune of having a couple of very, very empathetic, very responsive mentors that I can reach out to and ask for, for advice. And invariably they're much older than I am, partly because, you know, their old decks of experience allows them to draw on these things mm -hmm. to some degree. They're just making predictions based on what they've seen to help me out. Uh, I've heard people talk about AI as it's just making predictions. What do you think is the most misunderstood or, or perhaps too quickly dismissed concept around AI where people almost use it to make themselves feel better? Well, it's just math or it's just making predictions. Therefore, I don't have to worry about it doing all these other things. So I think the concept of emergent behavior uh, mm -hmm. in LLM was something that people at least surprised me quite a bit. And like I was saying before, you know, it's mimicking these things a lot, but at some point it starts doing things that you wouldn't expect it to. And so uh, to a large extent, I've heard the general um, way of this discounting AI by saying that, oh, it's just copying the text. It's just following what it's seen. It's just doing what it's always done or seen. But now with these emergent behaviors um, being kind of analyzed more and more, I feel, no, it's not exactly doing what it's always. I mean, even AlphaGo, I think, was one of the first surprising moments where it did a move where it was very weird for a lot of people. And then later on, <laughs> they realized, man, that was actually a pretty clever move for it to have made. And so that sort of a behavior is, I think, where people get uh, have a lot of promise, see a lot of promise and cannot discount it as much from before, as before. Okay. Um, two, two last quick questions, if that's all right. Uh, the first is, uh, okay, would you rather be diagnosed by an AI doctor or have an AI lawyer represent you in court? An AI lawyer seems to be a little, at least I can voice my own opinion somewhere along the way, whereas <laughs> AI doctor might just sign me up for something that I don't have a say for. Gotcha. Last last question, I promise. Uh, can you say AI 10 times in under five seconds? Go. AI, 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 We'll say that's a win. No question. Joel, thank you very much for taking the time to meet with me, to get me to help me understand you a little bit more. I really look forward to working with you as a colleague. And I, you know, I find your reason for being in this space really inspirational, really reassuring. Uh, and this is partly why I want to do this podcast is because it is the humans, I think, that are ultimately going to be, you know, responsible for whether this turns out well or, or not well. And I'm glad to count you on our side for having things turn out well. So again, thanks for your time. And uh, for those of you listening, uh, we appreciate you being here on the AI Insiders. Uh, we look forward to having more humans come through here and I get to know them and hopefully you will too. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. It was really fun talking and connecting like this. We'll work on the AI jokes. That'll be our mission. <laughs>